0: off top you know god didn't send goliath to slay david god sent
1: goliath to show david within him lies a giant slayer and you're sending the eagles right at the right time so the cowboys can show what's in there. lies a giant slayer and we gonna be the best
0: huh we'll stop right it now Every time I get an opportunity to do a Michael Irvin, I'm going to jump on it. When you get the game, you got to win. No, they don't need no <laughs> Dak Prescott because the, the bananas went bad earlier in the season. But they took them nasty nanas, they made it into banana bread. Banana bread. Dangerous, uh, non what you got to say about what's happening out here. Okay. Or is it you, Jeff Sunday? <laughs> I don't know who it's going to be, but it ain't me. What you need in a big game like this? is a playmaker. That's what they call me, Michael Jerome Urban. They don't call me the play hoper They don't call me the play wisher. What they call me Mike, the playmaker. But I'ma calm down. That's a little too much excitement for the morning. In hot sweaty, being Dominique Fox ain't no fun. But being oh. Michael Irvin is a damn good time. Oh.
2: Is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All
0: right, Charlie. So I thoroughly enjoyed doing my Michael Irvin and it started to take over my personality and that I'm walking around the street just thinking of funny things that that Mike (laughs) would say. And and, uh, now sometimes the Michael Irvin laugh sneaks into my regular laugh, but I'm also a little nervous because now we have each other's number and he hasn't reacted to like the impersonation because it's on social media and he has my number. He hasn't reacted to it. Like, I feel like you got to be like, hey, that's funny or or something or like like the tweet because I like added him and I'm not getting any of that. And... No, no,
3: no, no, no. You would do the exact same thing. This is this is where you're- No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. You would make it as uncomfortable as possible. And <laughs> if you were Michael Irving, you'd be making Dominique Foxworth Sit there <laughs> in silence and feel uncomfortable as though you were mad about it, even though you
0: didn't care at all. He's so fun, though. Like, I, I was joking, saying that being him is more fun than being me, but it's not a joke. Like, it is so much more fun. And, like, the things I can get away with saying and doing is just so much more fun. But anyway, let's not waste any more time doing this because we got some big games this week. We're going to talk about those. We're going to do a little college stuff, do some betting, maybe talk about the Giants rebuild. We'll see two of returning to practice, and I already mentioned our bet. so I think we gotta go. We got two like conference championship style games this weekend. I think we start with the AFC, the bills and Josh Allen against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And I've been saying this all week is that I think the bills are better, and I think the bills will win. However, They play in the playoffs. I don't know if I could. Or if someone asked me to bet something, an amount of money that I care about, I feel like I can't, just can't go against Patrick Mahomes. And I. it's illogical. It's emotional. But we've seen him do it so many times, so many impressive things. And I guess our last memory of him is, like, turning into a terrible quarterback. Like, our last playoff memory of him is turning into a terrible quarterback for the second half of that uh, championship game against the Bengals. But I also am a little down on them. And we talked about this in the last pod because they don't have a true number one. And I think the difference between them and the Bills is the Bills have potentially two true number ones. I guess I don't know exactly how good Gabe Davis is because he's come up in a world where Stephon Diggs is the actual number one, but he's really good also. He's making really incredible big plays in tough situations. So the Bills are the better team. And I just, I, I, I've I got to pick them to win this week. But when they meet in the playoffs, which feels inevitable, I don't know if I can do that. What do you think? Okay, so this one's fascinating to me because, well, obviously it's fascinating because it's
3: the matchup of the two best teams in the NFL. But beyond that, I think it's really interesting how our public perception has totally shifted on these teams. And I say that because the Bills are two-and-a-half-point road favorites in this game. And they open this two-point favorite, so... People are betting the Bills up on the road in Kansas City. And that's pretty indicative that we now trust Josh Allen, the regular season quarterback, as much or more than we trust Patrick Mahomes. And I don't really think that's wrong. The Bills are operating as like a at this point, statistically, as like one of the top five offenses we've ever seen. But I don't really think that's what separates them from the Chiefs right now. Like, yeah, they're awesome, but the Chiefs are also number one in EPA. Um Offensively and basically, I think the defense—the uh, defense—is the separating factor in this game. You think it's the receivers? I think it's the Bills have one of the best defenses in the NFL.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, and even down one of their like superstar safeties, their defense is still really good. They take—we talk about this before how they take the pressure off of their corners because that's where they're inexperienced, at least until they get Tre'Davious White back, who's a really great corner. But then this team gets even better, and they have a closer. And we talk about like. I think the Ravens are the best example of a team that was built in a complementary fashion. Like not this year necessarily, but when the Ravens were at their peak, they were a great running team, and they complemented those running attacks with deep shots, and then they complemented it with an aggressive defense on the other side, and they complemented each other so well. And I think the Bills, the way they are built right now, with such a high-powered offense that's going to strike fast and get up early, and then have two safeties because you really have to put pressure on your corners when you're trailing or when you need an extra body to stop the run. Those sorts of things is when you have to add someone to the box or when you have to blitz and you put pressure on the corners. But their best players on defense were their safeties. At least one of them is still there. And they play a lot of too high, which allows the safeties to make up for coverage mistakes. Uh, And they also have a great pass rush, which – Again, if you have the lead, you force people to be one-dimensional and that dimension is going to be passing and they get after people. So it'll be interesting to see what they do or how they play in games. If they, I guess we've seen them in situations where they didn't have the lead the whole time. They had a kind of miraculous comeback against um, the Ravens and they lost to the Dolphins. But the way this team is built, I feel really strongly about how they're going to play. But one of the things we saw in the Raiders chiefs game is we saw Devonte Adams attract so much coverage that there was no one in the box to stop the run. The bills can do the same thing with their weapons, but the bills can't run the ball, which doesn't make sense. Except for, except for Josh. Yeah. Except for Josh. So the concerning thing there for their team is, the Chiefs are bad at defense. They're well coached and they have some weaknesses, but if they are able to stop the run without adding a safety to the box, I think it limits the uh, the Bills' offensive attack, but that's when Josh Allen's size and running ability come into play. And even if you even if they're playing zone, so man coverage is all, is always better for a running quarterback because everyone's back is to him. Even when they're playing zone, Josh is so big and so athletic that he can still make plays five, six, ten yards before anyone can get to them. So they just have so many ways to win, even without running the ball. The more I talk about it, the more I'm sure that they're going to win. I don't know what the argument is for the other way, other than like Mahomes Magic, right? This is exactly what I was gonna, I was about to ask you. Would you be more surprised with a Bills win by
3: more than a touchdown or a Chiefs win, period? Who? Yeah, I can't go.
0: I think I'd be more, more than a touchdown. I, I, I still would be more surprised by the Bills winning by more than a touchdown. Just because I I can't say I'm surprised by Patrick Mahomes' win. That just feels like sacrilege. Well, it's just that we're coming off of
3: probably the worst Chiefs performance of the year in that first half of the Raiders game. And obviously, they, they got together. They won that game.
0: Um, even, even worse that, than I i, I was going to say that you made a mistake because they lost to the Colts, but no, I actually think that this was a worse performance the than Chiefs, their loss to
3: the Colts Colt loss was a complete fluke. It was sort of like the it was yeah, sort it was of special like,
0: teams. Yeah,
3: it. it was like the Bills Dolphins game where the stats didn't actually reflect the result, um, which is interesting. But we're also coming off of a Bills game. Of course, they're playing the Steelers, the bottom of the barrel team, but they just look like a complete, complete juggernaut. Um, I, I just think we're gonna. We, this is this is the storyline game of the week, even more than Cowboys Eagles. Like I think we're gonna come out of Monday with a a clear one way or the other who we think is the is the Super Bowl favorite. Because on the other, on the flip side of it, if the Bills knock off the Chiefs and Mahomes raises his level to the way he did in the playoffs last year against the Bills. We're gonna be like, why did we ever doubt this? Patrick Mahomes has been QB one the whole. time.
0: One night. thing that happens to the Chiefs and probably happens to a lot of like perennial competitive teams like perennial Super Bowl competitors mm-hmm. is something happens different in the week of big games. You know, like there yeah. are if its game planning gets a little bit more focused, Andy and um and enemy are more willing to call their really special plays. We see a different version of the Chiefs in big important games than we see in the games that they can sleepwalk through. You know, like the the Colts yeah. game we saw like some unimaginative play calling. We saw Kelsey dropping uh, important passes. We saw mistakes in, in special teams and the things that we don't really see from them. Like Kelsey had four touchdowns in a prime time game. And we saw like some of the more creative things that we have come to expect from them. So that's a, that's another thing that I don't think we always factor in when we're talking about the chiefs is like the pacing yourself element or the like emotional yeah. element. It sounds stupid, for me to hear, because I was never like I was on some good teams, but I was never on like a a perennial juggernaut, and I don't know what it's like to be like. And I, I was on decent teams, so like I remember, um, getting ready for a Thursday night game, I think it was in Cleveland, in the tunnel, and with uh, Ray Lewis working himself up to near tears. And I remember <laughs> looking over at him because I was not emotionally at that point. Cause I was like, ah, we're in Cleveland. We know we're going to win this game. Let's get it going. And Ray, and that's difference. One of many differences between him and me and almost anyone else. And so like I not being in that position still understand the idea of like an emotional letdown. And even though, like the week of practice and the week of film study, like you spend the same amount of time doing all those things that you would normally do, but the focus is different, you know, and the coaches, I think the same is probably true for the coaches. Like they're in the office probably just as much, but the intensity is different. You cannot fake urgency. We all know that I'm sorry to keep rambling, but it reminds me of, of, no, no, this is, this is it. This is the game. A book I read called scarcity that just talked about mm-hmm. how a scarcity mindset impacts you both po- both positively and negatively. And one of the major takeaways is what I just said. Like, you cannot fake that that intensity, that scarcity. Like, there are only so many important, intense games, and you cannot fake the preparation for that. So that's the – I've worked my way into a very kind of nebulous, I guess, argument for the Chiefs is we don't know who the real Chiefs are.
3: Well, that's that's it. That's it. Because the Bills, this is their 2018 Chiefs year. This is the year where they're looking into this being like, we need to come out and be the best team, get the one seed. And this game likely will determine the one seed in the AFC, which is the most important regular season accomplishment you can get now with one bye. But on the other side of that, the Chiefs part of it, we'll see. We'll see if they're going to work themselves up for this game. Because this is, this is the year that the Chiefs pivoted from being all in every single year to taking the really wide lens view of it. Like, we're going to get rid of Tyree Kill. We're going to start to rebuild around Patrick Mahomes and build this dynasty for more than a decade. So I don't even know if they're looking at, which is crazy to say, because they're playing the Bills, the measuring, the ultimate measuring stick. If they're looking at this game as ultra important or just another step in being a really good regular season team that prepares them to peak at the right time in the postseason. Because Patrick, he's past this. He's past the Josh Allen MVP year. He's starting to be judged just in championships for success and same with this whole chiefs dynasty
0: what was the year in the the um the bulls six championships what was the year when they set the record it wasn't the yeah 96. i know but I, I mean which was that the third one it was the year after they lost to orlando oh, so it was the fourth yeah so yep. okay yeah, yeah yeah so it was jordan's first year back well, I mean, he came back. Yeah, he came back midway through. It's his first year back. And yeah, and there's yeah. something to be said for that. <laughs> you know, like that's the reason why it was like, all right, we got a point to prove. And the same thing could be said yeah. for the Warriors' crazy uh, 73 win season. What happened the year before that in the Warriors? Did they lose the championship? Uh, no, they won the they championship. They lost the 70. 70- they, they won. Oh, so they're they, weirdos. They won in 15. Right. And then they lost the year they went 73. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. And the, the, um, the Cavs had a bunch of injuries in the one year that they won. But anyway, I'm getting away from it. And and Draymond punched LeBron in the nuts. And that, you know, That in. happens. Uh, oh, Draymond. We're not going to talk about Draymond today. We'll save some time for me. All right. Uh, that's enough time on that game. Let's go to the NFC. The surprise is the Cowboys. The Eagles, we expect them to be here. The big conversation is like, who is this more important to, I think? And I, I actually find that kind of intriguing. It's one of those kind of stupid sports talk questions that we just throw out there that don't mean anything, but it kind of means something to me because I think it's obviously, even though the Cowboys are trailing in a division, it seems obvious that the Eagles still have to prove something to themselves. They, they destroyed the Vikings other than that, they don't really have an impressive win. They are pretty like handedly beating teams. Even if the numbers aren't big, you watch the game. You're like, yeah. This team's better than the other team. This is their first real test. And the Cowboys, if you ask them, we're going to be without Dak Prescott for five weeks, and you said you could win two games, they would have taken it. They've already won four. So I think there's very little pressure on them in this particular game. But the Eagles, I think there's a lot of pressure to see their O-line as dominant as they've been, how they can hold up against this Cowboys D defensive line, and uh, if they can make... And this is where the Cooper Rush question comes in, where anyone who thinks Cooper Rush, I don't think it's kind of a straw man. No one thinks Cooper Rush should be the starter. Solid backup. But this is the game when you're playing against good, borderline great teams. This is when you need a quarterback to make a difference. And this is going to be the game. I think when they're going to stop the run, the Eagles aren't going to make Dumb mistakes, not going to give up uh, block punts and sack fumbles and Eagles going to be able to score points. This is going to be the game where Cooper Rush is going to have to throw the ball and it's all going to fall apart because I'm assuming Dak's not playing. Like, I don't think that's a realistic possibility.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, this right
0: now, they're,
3: you know, they're playing with house money that they've been able to win these games with Cooper Rush. But I mean, to your point, Cooper Rush only completed 10 passes. And the offense scored one touchdown, but it was about the Cowboys defense uh, last week. And I think the Cowboys defense against the Eagles offensive line is their only shot in this game. Because three Eagles offensive linemen are, are hurt. They, I, I, yeah, I think they might all play. But to your point, Micah Parsons is... Tar- Dobby. Hey, Dobby. Uh, to your point, Micah Parsons is terrifying. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles uh, offensive line is banged up. And the Cowboys defense is terrifying led by Micah Parsons. And what's interesting there is we have seen pretty unprecedented growth from Jalen hurts. Um, and I expect that to continue, but this is a real measuring stick game. It's a say what you want. It's a divisional game for the Eagles. It's really important to them. And, you know, are we going to see Jalen hurts regress at all against the great defense? Because this is what, If we really want to assume that the Eagles are true Super Bowl contenders, which I think we both do, we want to see Jalen Hurts succeed against really good defenses and high leverage. He has to
0: have a a regression game at some point. There's a chance that this one could be it, but they could still end up winning (laughs) because I don't know how the Cowboys manufacture enough points without like sack fumbles. And I think they were up nine. Yeah, it felt like the Cowboys were up nine last week before their offense even really had to do anything, and that changed its complexion of the game, and they ran the hell out of the ball, uh, which I don't see happening against this Eagles front. So this game is going to be really fun to watch and more exciting to talk about afterwards, but I don't think there's anything else to touch on before the game and unless you got something. The only thing I think we'll see is
3: really, to your point, I think we might see holes in this Cowboys offense. Um, you know, the Eagles are super complete and their defensive line has like a really high pass rush win rate, and that could be really bad for Cooper cup. And if they take away or sorry, <laughs> Cooper rush, and if they take away the easy things for the, um, for the Cowboys, whether it's running the ball or the short passing game, it might look, this is one
0: of those games where it might look, it might look pretty ugly for the, uh, Cowboys offense. It could happen. They better slow it down and try to get that clock running. All right, let's go to college. So I'm a, I'm a big game college fan at this point. Like I watch Maryland games, and I watch big, important games. And this Tennessee-Alabama game feels like one of those big, important games. It also feels like it could be the, well, I guess I was going to say the decider for the Heisman Trophy, but I think uh, Bryce Young is probably out of the Heism- Heisman Trophy race right now because he missed so much. But what about this game has you intrigued? Oh, my God, this is
3: I'm with you. I'm, I'm a I'm a big game hunter when it comes to college football.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on Yeho. Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, DF.
3: Okay, we got number six versus number three. Saban has beaten the Vols all 15 times. He has been the coach of Alabama. And the margin in those games is 25.9 points per game. The line in this game is seven and a half for Bama. And you might think, okay, they're still expecting Bama to win by more than a touchdown. But we really are doing that based on history, not how good these teams been, have been. The reason I think this game defines the who is the Heisman Trophy is Hendon Hooker. If he beats Alabama, he will win the Heisman Trophy. And this guy is fascinating. Like He's the opposite of Bryce Young. This guy was the 337th recruit in the country when he came out in 2017. He went to Virginia Tech. He was a cast off there for three years. And let me give you these stats for his 1.5 season so far with Tennessee. He has 41 passing touchdowns with three interceptions. He has 850 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. He's like just below the Cam Newton level of dominating the SEC. And this program before they got Josh Heupel was
0: just Dead yeah. Tennessee was dead for right. two decades. They were they were a dominant program, the program of uh, Peyton Manning, uh, and I guess Jason Witten, another big name. Dante Stallworth, another big name. When I was young and on my way to college, and also in college, they were. We actually played them in the Peach Bowl. I think it was. I think we yeah we drugged those bums. But they are are or were a perennial power in college football and. There are a lot of teams that I think can never get back to that. I don't think n- Tennessee Knoxville doesn't strike me as one of those teams that could never get back. I think their proximity to their to good recruiting locations is is strong. and also they I think one of the more important things about successful college programs is how much does the does the school buy in and they have a complete school mm-hmm. buy-in there are a lot of schools at least now. You have to have like complete buy in is like we're going to have success at sports, particularly football. And to have a an institution that completely buys in, commits to it, a large student body, large fan base, proximity to recruiting, some cachet in history. Like, I, I don't know why they can't other than like they're going to have to overcome Georgia and Alabama, which is hard, but they could yeah. be one of these one of these teams that break into it. Unlike Nebraska, I don't think Nebraska is ever going to get back into it. I don't. Yeah. uh, Some of those other schools that, I mean, I guess USC probably could get back into it, but there's a bunch of schools that, that have history that I don't think the future of college football is going to allow them to become powers again. I
3: think, okay. So we've seen three sec teams at the top before, like whether it's, you know, an LSU or Florida in that top tier, along with Alabama and Georgia, or, Mm -hmm. you know, Rotate whoever you want. Uh, I think Tennessee is pretty much going to get there. I think the fact that they have Josh Heupel, they basically are playing a spread offense for the first time. Um, And it's not your point about recruiting. That's happening. They have a quarterback coming in who a lot of people think was better than Arch Manning. And I want to get this right. He has, I think the highest NIL deal of high school uh, quarterback recruits. He has an $8 million. yeah,
0: his Nico yeah, I, I remember Lama. when that story. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, people that I know in college sports say that that eight million dollars is a lie. But either way, the point is he's a big time major yeah. recruit that I'm sure is if they if they're reporting eight million, he's at least getting uh, over one. And if they're reporting yeah. eight million, he's talented. So you're right. Yeah, they are on their way. They have a guy who's gonna who could win the Heisman this year and a guy coming in who may be the best prospect in um college and better than arch like my understanding is arch is not that great like he's good but he's not great really
3: really polished maybe not
0: that talented Uh, yeah we'll see definitely see all right i'm a little bit trepidatious about rushing bryce young back and i mean i guess it's not i'm not even trepidatious about rushing bryce young back for this uh big game against tennessee i'm trepidatious about letting him play at all (laughs) for the rest of the season. And uh, I know that seems absurd to everyone. I know if I were on the team, even if I was Bryce young, I'd probably think that was crazy, but he's coming off a shoulder injury and uh, we have Tua to look at as like a, a former like Heisman level superstar, inevitable number one overall pick quarterback to look at and his injury history at Alabama. Uh, kind of devaluing him. Uh, He went from being the like presumed number one overall pick to, I think the Dolphins got him at five and then it's plagued him for the rest of his career. And he's a smaller quarterback, Bryce young, also a smaller quarterback. So I don't know. I, I, I get the team stuff. I get wanting to win. I get all that stuff, but I just hate the idea of, of college players coming back and putting their like, Careers and livelihood at risk um, for games that, like, I mean, I know they matter to them, but kind of don't matter that much in the long run. Like, we're not going to define Bryce Young by how this game goes. We'll define him by, like, championships in college and also his NFL career. So, like, I, I hope they let him chill for at least another week. Well,
3: that's it. It's the fact that Bryce Young hasn't won a national championship. He won a Heisman Trophy. He's an Alabama legend. He's probably a top two pick, assuming he doesn't have a massive shoulder injury. Um, but to your point, you know, the shadow of Tua comes all over this situation. This guy came back from two injuries way too early at Alabama uh, to try and win national championships, to try and win a Heisman Trophy. And that changed him from this aggressive, creative thrower with a lot of arm talent to someone at his best now as someone we're thinking of as a supercharged game manager in the NFL. Um, but this has been sort of, I think if you look at like a pockmark on Nick Saban's resume at Alabama, it's that he is trying to win championships, not necessarily prepare guys for the NFL. And you could look at me and say, how do you say that? There are all these guys you're after in the first round. And what I would push back with is Dylan Moses, who blew out his knee and came back to Alabama. and was a top recruit who have been a first round pick who never ended up really playing in the NFL. I would look at you know, say he's an all pro, but Jonathan Allen came in with a completely busted up shoulder for Washington. Uh, Derek Henry, who's succeeded. There was all of these questions about the unprecedented workload he got his last year at Alabama. Um, just the, the list goes on and on of guys who have been beat up by playing in such high leverage situations and putting Alabama football first. And to see that with a high profile quarterback like Bryce Young is a little bit uncomfortable because yeah, he has NIL money, but he doesn't have his second quarterback extension money. Um, And to me, the interesting part is that just shows how big of a game this is too. If he comes back for this, it shows that they're taking Tennessee seriously.
0: Yeah, man, I I think you're probably right. I think he will probably come back. Um, Yeah. When you're at, at that level, there's not much you can do to improve your stock. Like it's, it's just all downhill, which is the, it's the dilemma for a lot of professional sports, which college, qualifies as professional sports is the conflict between uh, business and winning and they don't always align those things are not always consistent and at least in this case they're at odds uh because like i said there's not much more he can gain i i don't think he can impact his draft status until he does combine and private workouts that's the only way he can impact his draft status going forward i mean he's already won a heisman so, like, if he balls out in this game against Tennessee, they're not going to put him even higher. So, yeah, that's it for, for Bryce. We'll see what happens in this game. But, I mean, obviously, we root for health for everyone in every game, but certainly for him in this one. I got one
3: more thing for you on this, and this is both coaching and also talent. Um, we see Bama just blow teams out because they just dominate the trenches, and Bama has probably the best overall player in college football and Will Anderson on the defensive line. Um, but the fascinating thing about this game is Tennessee's offensive line and how dominant they have been. They're not allowing pressure for Hooker, but also they are so dominant in goal-to-go situations. This is a stat I got from 538 that Tennessee has reached goal-to-go on 17 drives this season. They've scored a touchdown on every single one of them. Every single one of them. That's like – so if they are actually able to compete with Alabama in the trenches – this will be a close game. This will be a good yeah,
0: competing with Alabama in the trenches is, I mean, Will Anderson's obviously, obviously a very special linebacker, but I think your point about the, the trenches always kind of feel like it differentiates the great college teams from the good college teams. It's a lot easier to find a six foot super athlete. Like there are a lot of them relative to, uh, six, five, 300 pounds, super athletes in Alabama and Georgia seem like they have that market corner. But I can't wait to this game to watch this game so we can talk about it when we uh, get back. Me, you got any interest in going to a returning practice? I feel like there's nothing to talk about there. He's coming back Is we'll see. Uh, do you want to see him play again this year? I, I guess that's the one question I have is I kind of I mean, I want him to do what he wants to do, but I kind of yeah. don't want to watch him play again, I'm going to be incredibly uncomfortable and nervous. I guess I'll get over it, but that's where I'm at. I mean, this just feels like, no,
3: no, I'm with you. It just feels like lather, rinse, repeat on all of this. Like we've done so much moral hand-wringing about concussions in the NFL and how we are as fans and how much you have learned since you played. And it feels like, yeah, I'm going to feel really uncomfortable for it. And I think with it, but I think I'll probably get over it unless something else happens to Tua. And that's like completely effed up, but like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, Tyreek Hill just took another ball, 75 yards to the house and be thinking about Tua, which is like
0: more of a me problem
3: yeah. in a, in us watching football problem than, than anything yeah, else. We'll
0: cross that bridge when we get to it. It's going to be something, but I hope he doesn't get sacked, but he's going to at some point. And that's going to be the real uncomfortable thing. I remember how I felt when Alex Smith came back and, um, and, and, uh, aaron donald jumped on his back i was like oh and that was just his leg and now we're gonna do some head stuff so anyway all right
2: 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: We are like outstanding gamblers. It appears yes. where seven. And yeah, five so we're far. seven and five. We are picking the games that we really like, or the opportunities, the games in the um the props that we really like. So give me a rundown, and I'll tell you which way to go, and we'll keep winning. All uh, right, let's
3: let's go through these real quick. I'm going to start with the Thursday night game, and this is. What I think is my personal lock of the week. Carson Wentz over 0.5 INTs. <laughs> Let's see. He I, he's definitely gonna throw an interception in this game. Him and Matthew Stafford are tied for the league lead and interceptions thrown on on clean dropbacks with five. Um, yeah, they're playing they're playing the Bears. Yeah, the Bears aren't very good, but you have to imagine it's gonna be a reasonably close game. Carson Wentz is gonna try and win with a tight game script, and that leads to Carson Wentz interceptions. And this is coming off of a week where Ron Rivera
0: ethered Carson Wentz for what's holding back the team. That was not fair. Ron Rivera, like what he did to Carson Wentz. It's not even about whether he's right or, or it's not even about doing it publicly, but he's not right. Like the division is good, but not everyone has had stable quarterback play. You know, like there's been Cooper Russian. Yeah. There've been transitions and mediocre quarterbacks and they still have more success. So I mean, if he wanted to ether somebody, it should have been like Dan Snyder talking about organizational stability, not about the quarterback. And Carson Wentz, you brought him in after you saw what he did last year. Like I could understand the Colts convincing themselves that they could rekindle what Carson Wentz was. I don't understand why the commanders thought they could. But all right, I'm with you. I think that's a it's pretty safe bet. He'll throw one. Uh, What else you got? Next one I got is
3: Jaguars plus 2.5 at the Colts. So two and a half point dogs. I think the Colts are trash. Um, I think the Jaguars two weeks ago, we thought we're going to win the AFC South. And we've had two Trevor Lawrence games in a row that I think you could either look at them and say they're uncharacteristic based on what we saw at the beginning of the season or they're characteristic based on what we saw last year when Urban Bleeping Meyer was their coach. And I just think they're a better team. And I think these points are refre- reflecting history of what we look at these teams, not what's actually
0: going on. Yeah, the team. Colts have not been impressive even in their wins. I think I'm with you. I, I want to disagree with you and then be right, but I'm I'm with, <laughs> with you me. here. I- yeah, this is a Jaguars opportunity because they've come off some bad weeks. People think they stink, which maybe they do. I think more than them being stinky is they're inconsistent and they're yeah. maybe due for a spike and. In- I like their quarterback better than the other quarterback, and their defensive, and their defense also. All right, yeah, I'm with you. All right, yeah. be plus, yeah, plus lot. two, yeah. They they just gotta, they don't even have to win. See, I know about betting. Uh, next, we got, yeah, we're
3: getting there. The next one I got too is Patriots plus two point five at the Browns. Bailey Zappy's Bailey ball. Are we all in? Yeah, he's been playing well. He's been just competent enough, and when you have just competent enough quarterback play, that's when Bill Belichick <laughs> arrives, and he seems to always beat the Browns, who fired him. People have pointed this out online, and the Browns are still starting Jacoby Brissett, and they're a really good team around Jacoby Brissett. But I'm going to lean on the infrastructure of Bill Belichick
0: here. But I mean, I think that's—I got a little bit of a hesitation there. Because Bill Belichick has not been the the bill. I mean, I guess very immediately recently, they've been much better coach, but they haven't been in the last few years, I would think. But I'm going to trust you on this one. We'll go with um, Pats over Browns because we get the points. I like it. Two and a half at the Browns, too. That's We're just banking on Bill Belichick being still harboring animosity for the Browns and go with that. All right, last one. Last one. All right. Last one. Bucks Steelers under 44 oh. points. Uh,
3: you know, the Steelers are bad. Kenny Pickett's in a quarterback. They scored three points against the Bills last week. Um, you know, say what you want about how that game started and how it played out and how it was impossible for them to come back. But the Bucks also have an incredible defense. And the Bucks also have a much worse offense than the Buffalo Bills. And I just don't think this game is going to be that close to 44 points i mean would you be would you be shocked if this one was like a 27 to 7 game or 27 to 6 i'd be shocked
0: if it wasn't yeah i'm all over this i think this is uh, this is easy money so we're seven and five right now let's get ready to go what's that four games we'll go 11 and five this Mm -hmm. week i can't wait we're jumping up good stuff charlie All right, Charlie, I appreciate it. It's been another fun week. I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Sarah and Addy. Appreciate everybody for your support. And thank you guys for listening.
3: Thank you all. Listen to the debatable podcast and watch on YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you watch ESPN streaming, (sighs) Chess.
0: Who told you you could get a
2: plug? This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.